Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Wonka. I've spent the past seven years traveling the world perfecting my craft. You see, I'm something of a magician, inventor, and chocolate maker. So quiet up and listen down. Nope, scratch that, reverse it. Mr. Wonka, I can say you're a man of great ingenuity. What are you doing? I'm making chocolate, of course. How do you like it? Dark, white, nutty, absolutely insane. Many people have come here to sell chocolate. They've all been crushed by the chocolate cartel. You can't get a shop without selling chocolate. And you can't sell chocolate without a shop. No daydreaming. What are we going to do, Willie? This is a musical fantasy prequel origin story. Directed by Paul King. The cast includes Officer Affable. Benjamin, it's finally happened. Yeah, We've watched how many movies on this, on this dang podcast, and we finally have one character with the name Affable. <laughs> right, which of course should be a name. It isn't totally strange that someone's name is Affable, right? We've just well, been his waiting. mustache does like kind of curl up into like a smile, you know, a little <laughs> bit. Makes him look kind of affable, even he's, though he's a part of the system. That's right. He was a good one, though. He didn't... Uh, he was one of the good ones. He didn't, yeah, not one of the bad He get corrupted, yeah. That's true. Uh, we also have Paul Atreides, T-Bone, Chef Terry, 12-year-old Laurel, Matt Lucas from The Great British Baking Show, Bill Shakespeare, Toad, Mr. Carson from Downton Abbey, and Emily Sands. I watched this movie in a regal theater. Joey, how did you watch it? I also watched it in a regal theater, but I tried to watch it in an AMC theater. We make movies better. But <laughs> I was unable to because that movie theater was closed unexpectedly wow. by some sort of fire alarm error. We, I actually bought my tickets ahead of time and then um, they canceled them because uh, they, the theater was closed. So we had to drive another 15 minutes or whatever, like 20 minutes down the road to the next theater and watched it there. What a disaster for AMC. What? It's true. AMC may never recover from this wow. lack of having fire safety in their theaters. I wonder what... It will almost be better if it actually burned down. What, <laughs> what could have started a fire in a theater like that? I mean, certainly it wasn't the heat coming from the, uh, the movies they were showing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it escaped from the screen. You know, there was a fire in this movie. You know, it's possible that it got out. And That's then, so um, true. But it wasn't actually a fire. It was just a threat of a fire. I see. That's, that's what... Um, Somebody that's called what a, a fire threat? <laughs> I'm going to start a fire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to make it harder for you to determine if there's a fire here. <laughs> uh, well, that's, it's a good thing that Regal was there. Regal is my first choice. And once again, I had an exclusive experience at Regal because uh, there's only two other people in the theater with me. Wow. And I got the best seat in the house right in the middle. And that was that. I, hard, I could then you hardly notice. compared no notes to see what they're doing on their podcast. Podcast. exactly yes i actually think they were on a date uh they were doing a lot of giggling before the movie oh, started uh, which maybe would have bothered me but i was i was playing my game boy so i, I was like <laughs> they were talking loudly during the commercials and i was playing my game boy but luckily everybody Wait, had did good you turn your, have your sound on uh, no no i you should have turned your sound on 
if they were going to be loud, you should have been loud back. I didn't mind the theater. I don't come to the theaters for the commercials. You know, I, I, I'd rather listen to their idle chit chat than have to, you know, more ads shoved in my face. 20 have you, minutes okay. of it. You weren't watching the ads, but there's this phenomenon for movie theater ads um, where they're like all hitting the exact right emotional beats and every single one of them makes me cry. Oh, like, no. There's like, oh my gosh, this kid gave these San- these slippers to Santa uh, at Macy's. Uh, oh my God, there's a dog um, that needs help somewhere. Oh my God, there's like, a, you know, this person gave their friend a Coca-Cola and it has their name on it and they're smiling <laughs> so much. And every single one of them, no matter how stupid, it, like, it hits me right in like the eyeballs and I start crying. It's terrible. <laughs> Not your eyeballs. Ter- I, I'm, it's far, terrible. I'm far too <laughs> cynical. I, I see the commercial where they're like, uh, you know... The, I love riding in the car with you, mom. Like, are those special moments where we're sitting together in the car? And it's <laughs> That's like, That's what makes a car. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nobody I, says I saw that, that one sh- twice. Nobody says that shit. You know, nobody is sitting there being like, You know what? That's, I'm glad we so have to sit in this because, car. It's so funny because in that Subaru commercial, they're like, uh, You know, what, they, what a family really needs in a three seat, uh, like a crossover is each other and that's like exactly the same thing they say in this movie I like, like what what this chocolate bar really needs is to be shared with other people yeah i'm like i saw that already yeah. that was in a super commercial wonka is a prequel movie for subaru i mean with the way that they combine characters from movies with ads now there's there's basically no line anymore like unironically loki will pull up in a mazda and be like i have to go to a different dimension in this mazda you know and it's like is this he's not he's in character right now he's pretending this is part of his canon marvel fanatics will watch that in chronological order make sure that they make sure you slot in the the mazda loki commercial um an hour 55 during your marvel binge that's how you that's how you get the full experience (laughs) yeah it's it's a mess but luckily uh you know when there's no one else in the theater i don't feel bad about playing game boy and ignoring the ads um and, you know, it's because really we were trying to get to the movie, right? And that's what we're trying to do right now. We're trying to talk about Wonka. <laughs> so well, let's go ahead and do that. But before we begin our analysis of this film, we will succinctly summarize the events in our special 60-second synopsis. If you'd like to skip the synopsis, just scrub ahead 60 seconds right now. Young Willy Wonka arrives in a new city to finally fulfill his fantasy of opening a world-famous chocolate factory. He is quickly tricked into indentured servitude by a lawnjet owner named Miss Scrubbit and her henchman Bleacher. But little Willie is determined and showcases his wondrous chocolatey creations in a local square. Unfortunately, the town is controlled by three chocolatiers, which includes the ruthless Mr. Slugworth. They use the police to harass Wonka and keep him from publicly sharing his wildly popular snacks. Wonka recruits the other poor souls of the laundrette to help him with his undercover chocolate schemes, and soon he raises enough money to buy a storefront and sell chocolate legally. But Scrubbit and Bleacher sabotage the store, and the whole thing burns down. Slugworth and the rest of the chocolate cartel pay off Wonka to leave town, but a visit from Lofty, the Oompa Loompa, convinces Wonka to try again. With the help from the laundrette's employees, he plans a massive chocolate heist to steal the ledger of crimes and conspiracy from the cartel. One giraffe, 500 chocolate-addicted monks, and a huge vault of chocolate later, Wonka and his friends expose the cartel and bring chocolate and joy to the whole city. Wonka begins plans for building his factory with the help of Lofty. 
the end. There you have the events of Wonka. Let's get straight into our analysis with our pros and cons. Joey, what did you like about Wonka? I think this movie is plenty of fun and it has lots of whimsy and um, I love all of that. It's, it's a creative new story on a well-tread character. Um, there's some really inspired scenes aided by great visuals. I think the songs are also fun and cute. I love a chocolate cartel and a chocolate heist. Can't think of better um, adjectives for both of those <laughs> nouns. Um, and it makes me want to eat chocolate. Which, so that's, that's also a good thing. I love chocolate. Good. What about you? Good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what I liked was that this was not a direct prequel, which made it a much fresher experience than I expected. I fully expected to come into this movie and groan for the entire runtime. That was not what I got, so I was pleasantly surprised with that. It paid respects to the original film without relying entirely on intertextuality to provide value, which again was the opposite of what I expected. So uh, another really great thing. I came in with low expectations, everybody. But yeah, so I like that. It was surprisingly endearing. There were times where I actually felt something watching Wonka. Again, totally unexpected. <laughs> we get it. I didn't. Oh I wasn't God. expecting anything from this movie. Uh, there were fun side characters. I loved everybody that worked with him at the laundromat. Th this movie was funny at times, and I genuinely felt like Wonka's emotional journey was satisfying, to use a word that could also describe chocolate. So those are our pros. Let's move on to our cons. Joey, what did you not like about Wonka? Um, maybe you can correct me if you feel differently, but I felt like there was a lot of color in some parts, but mostly this movie was still pretty drab. Even the colorful scenes felt kind of muted. Um, I'm really curious how this CGI fest is going to look in 10 years. It sort of has that odd Tim Burton kind of filter to it, you know? Um, I'm, I think, I don't know about you, but I think both of us are sort of pretending that the 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie d never happened. I was not going <laughs> to invoke that movie for this entire review. Yeah, so we're, we're just going to pretend <laughs> that's not even here. You can just cut that part out. Um, um, I don't think uh, Shamele, Shamele, that's how you say his that's name? That's it. Um, he's, not, he's, not, uh, he's not Wilder, that's for sure. Right. And well, it took me a while to see Wonka in his performance. Um, uh, by the end, I think I, I did get there, but at the beginning, it was harder for me to see it. There's a lot of emotional weight in this movie that feels empty and toothless, right? We have an orphan story here. Um, she's supposed to be reunited with her family, but a lot of that is is kind of built up to the last moment. And before that, there's not a lot of like the, the tragedy is is still like filtered through this kind of um, layer of like silliness that takes away a lot of the emotional weight uh, that I think is present in more successful movies. What about you? So to to comment on whether or not I felt like this movie was drab, oh, totally. Like as much as there were moments that kind of shined with like a certain amount of magic, I felt I, I'm just I'm loving practical effects too much right now. I'm in my practical effects era, and it just felt, I care a lot in Barbie, right? Some of the most colorful movies yeah. have have been released in decades, right? It is that is the aesthetic of this of this era of movies, the post COVID. Um, movie timeline <laughs> yeah uh and this movie does not does not fit into that it is not a colorful uh it's not a a um a cacophony of color it just uh yeah it, again it's like 
when you get to think Wonka, you think these big colors and, uh, you know, a lot of energy just in what you see around you. And, and granted, we're not in his factory for most of it, but even when we are in his shop, once it's like at its full glory, it didn't invoke that same kind of magic to me. Um, it, it was just fine, uh, which honestly is, is kind of how I felt a lot about this just being a remake of a movie that is stands out in a way that is just different. But we'll, we'll get to that. Here's some of the other things I didn't like. Uh, you know, this is ultimately another remake. Who asked for this? We don't need another Wonka movie. And this movie, I, I don't feel like justifies its own existence as a Wonka, you know, IP. It was, yes, you got me in the door because I recognize the IP, which is the whole gimmick of all of Hollywood right now. But it's just disappointing that this is the meta right now. I felt like the songs were kind of meh. I didn't think they were bad, but I didn't have my we don't talk about Bruno moment where I'm like this song I'm going to be singing after this besides World of Pure Imagination. But, you know, obviously that one already existed, so can't give this movie that much credit for it. I felt like the fat jokes with uh, the the chief of police were lazy. uh, Michael Key. Yeah. It, like listen it, you could like even looking past the fat phobia of like making the fat people the butt of the joke this is just lazy among fat jokes he just kept on be get, getting more fat like cop fat you yeah cop what's, fat, not, what's not funny about you that you eat cop chocolate fat. i just felt like it was and they spent so much time drawing attention to it i thought it was boring so uh yeah i i, I felt like as he got fatter uh, keegan michael key got less funny so that was like just a total loss in my opinion then uh like you said timothy chalamet is not gene wilder i felt like his performance was fine but he fell short of emulating the magic and 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 also the other things that gene wilder brought to the screen his performance and, and we can talk about that in detail and also it kind of fizzles out of any real commentary on labor i think that the Willy Wonka character as this kind of mogul, this uh, titan of industry, invites you to think about what that entails for the first community and also for the em- people he employs. And this movie barely even thinks about labor and then completely pretends it doesn't exist. Uh, yes. So, uh, which was disappointing. I know it's a kid's movie and it doesn't always have to be about capitalism, but uh, you also can uh, do better than this. I think it seems like it's a little bit about capitalism. Don't, don't right. Exactly. That's the thing is it's like <laughs> you're getting into it and then it, it kind of just backs off and, and really, I, I think fizzles out, just kind of disappears without a explanation. So just like all your money from the bank. That, right. But it doesn't even go as far as to say that. So anyways, those are our pros and our cons. Let's move on to our overall section. Take it away, Joey. Um, I'm not really the biggest Willy Wonka fan. But I still felt this intense desire to disparage this movie because it's treading on what feels like sacred movie ground. Um, but I think this movie was made with care, craft, style, and life. There are funny moments. There are moving moments. There's lots of surprises hiding in every tasty bite. Um, but it is a small candle compared to the original 1971 bonfire. And maybe you could say this is not fair to compare these two movies, but I don't really see why I can't do that. I, like, if, I, if I'm 
looking at these movies as complements to each other, right? What does Wonka add to the uh, to the Wonka verse? Yeah, yeah, no, right? you definitely have to compare them because it's called Wonka instead of Chocolate Andy. It it has to be <laughs> the, compared because it's the same. Yeah, character. but if it was called Chocolate Andy, I definitely wouldn't have watched it. I definitely so. would have. <laughs> Chocolate Andy. <laughs> Wait, that's me. I'm Chocolate Andy. Shalmane um, May is a very talented actor, um, but I found it very difficult to look past him and see Willy Wonka. By the end of the movie, I felt like he was there, but I kept seeing the Gen Z heartthrob instead of the wicked and whimsical genius at the heart of the story. The expanded backstory with his mother's dreams are all are all welcome additions. I agree. I think that emotional um, like arc that he goes on is really great, actually. Um, I also was really dazzled by the wondrous things he created. The hover chocolate stuff was awesome. I really like when he opens up the storefront, right? And they're like, and chocolate bees, and then they have the big tree in there. Looks awesome. I thought that was really great. Um and uh, the, the, the chocolate makes your hair grow back, the uh, chocolate that gives you a good idea, all of that was, was I love that, actually. Um, this is a different Wonka than the jaded and affirmation-stuttering adult that we got from the 1971 version. Um, but Charlemagne's Wonka is kinder, uh, more gullible, and actively striving. It makes him a more likable character, but it also makes him a bit simpler. And I think that graded against my expectations. I, I liked most of the musical numbers, especially A Hatful of Dreams, which is the opening song. I liked the villain song, uh, Sweet Tooth. Yes, uh, the villain that was song great. was really good. It was hilarious. And I really liked the song at the zoo for a moment. Um, that's the one where they are dancing in the zoo and then they go onto top of the, uh, uh, gallery gourmet and they're dancing with the balloons. I thought that was some really creative choreography. I thought, uh, the visuals looked great. I loved the, like the way they were walking on the water and the flamingos flying. I thought that was really cool. Um, there's, and then there's like the, uh, the redos of the, of Pure Imagination and Oompa Loompa. And I'm less thrilled about these, um, uh, because like, <laughs> This is trying to be distinctly its own thing, right? Or, or it's, that's like what Wonka is, or Willy Wonka is. But this one isn't. A, this movie is not afraid to pull on those threads of nostalgia for a cheap emotional score. These um, inclusions are not insulting or demeaning, but do they add to the movie or just distract from what this is? Right. When I hear pure imagination in this movie, immediately I'm going to, oh, that's from the other one, right? I'm not thinking about how it fits into this. I'm just thinking, oh, you're just referencing the other movie. And I think it, it's got, it takes a lot to break through that barrier there. Um, and I don't think it's going to, I don't think it works so perfectly in its spot that it like justifies its placement. It, it, it's, it's only there because it is part of the original movie and people love that song totally it's uh because it doesn't justify the inclusion of that song in its own movie well enough it it just solidifies this movie's status as derivative right um after we after jenny and i went to see wonka we came home and rewatched the 1971 willy wonka and the chocolate factory starring gene wilder um and it the feeling i got while watching that movie was completely different than where i was feeling in the theater the original has this tension that is only present in truly great movies there's this immense emotional core centered directly on charlie bucket he's so sweet 
generous and humble and he's got like this terrible terrible life and all he wants <laughs> to do is win the golden ticket he's caught up in the mania of it and he struggles because he wants to believe he can win despite all the evidence telling him that there's no chance at all that he'll win and then there's gene wilder's wonka he's a twisted and wicked man who by all accounts has hand selected children from all over the world to torture in his weird factory <laughs> But he is cruel, controlling, and strange. He's a fantasy creature instead of a bleary and tired world. But he's also so patient and seemingly unassuming. You want to like him, and even though he sends four children to uncertain doom, it's really their fault, not his. Uh, and by the end, it's unclear if Charlie will get the chocolate factory as promised or if Wonka will be disappointed again. He dismisses um, Charlie and his gra and Grandpa Joe with no flamboyance or flair. He just tells them to leave, to just get out of here. I'm too busy to, to deal with you. Well, I, in but iconic, Char like, you lose, get, like, uh, like yeah, kind you of lose. tirade. Good day, sir. Yeah. yeah. But Charlie restores Wonka's belief in humanity, and, and then they fly off into the sunset. There is this sense of impending doom or that we're watching a movie with a strange, discordant tone. The original feels like we're in a world of pure imagination, whereas Wonka feels like a movie from 2023. It does a lot right, but it's also really safe. It seems calculated and manufactured, whereas the original feels out of time and distinctly pointed. Well, I think that's, that's absolutely true. Revisiting the 1971 version, uh, I think what you said here is really true it's it is strange it's almost weird that it's so popular it's a well i i don't think it is weird it's so popular it's a morality tale it's a classic if it's the same exact beats as like a horror movie right and i think people have made trailers like a, a recut the Willy wonka trailer to a, be a horror movie before I think yeah yeah definitely, uh, definitely. Of that. but um like it's all about these kids that uh, are spoiled, right? They're they're living their lives wrong, right? They have been un um, they have not been uh, disciplined in the right way. They have not been told the correct way to live, and their parents are with them to uh, as um, uh, and they they are along for the suffering as well. The kids all meet a fate that is, uh, you know, ironic and appropriate for their specific um vice. And the parents are forced to watch their kids go through it, um, uh, knowing that they're the ones responsible. And the only person that is immune to this is Charlie. Not even Grandpa Joe is really immune to this. And that's not just because I'm a big subscriber on r slash Grandpa Joe hate. I, I think that uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of scenes where Grandpa Joe tells Charlie to do one thing and Charlie does the opposite because Charlie knows it's the right thing to do. And this is a... Um, uh, you know, this is a, a really great uh, morality tale and it has this really uh, satisfying conclusion because you watch all these kids go through this and then fall and you're like, oh, well, they deserved it. And then you see Charlie also like uh, not quite make it, but then, you know, cross that threshold and get rewarded from the monster. And it becomes this, um, you know, uh, happy tale at the end but it is like a horror movie for children it is a morality tale for kids and showing like the horrific things that can happen to them it, it is it is um pointed that they never show you what happens to the kids at, uh, at the end of the movie in in the books i remember specifically the, the kids don't really survive unscathed um 
Mike TV is stretched out like some sort of uh, Slenderman character. <laughs> um, I believe uh, Violet is still blue. Um, and uh, and um, what's her name? Uh, the, the spoiled one, that the, the bad egg. Uh, she uh, is like covered in trash and stuff or like slightly singed from the, from the furnaces or something. It's like they don't, they're able to make it out of there alive, but, they're, but they have been drastically changed by their experience. Whereas Charlie has also changed, but in a positive way. Um, I don't know. I think that's uh, something that resonates with people. And I think that it would be really hard to convince people to make a movie like that today because of the harm to children type thing. <laughs> but like, it, we, I think we're able to look at this. And I think the reason why this movie is so popular is because, or the 1971 one is so popular is because you look at it and you see yourself in it and you recognize lessons from it and you uh, are a little bit scared, but also validated in your own uh, actions, right? Like, I want to be like Charlie. Charlie's the good character, and I can be like Charlie. And these other kids, like, you don't, like, I can see that even if they didn't go to the factory, their lives were headed toward ruin, uh, you know, even with, um, even without some sort of interference from some sort of fantasy beast that, like uh, Gene Wilder's Wonka. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, it's a completely different film, filled with way more ambiguity than the one that we got today, where it's so clear that the good characters are good and the bad characters are bad and there's not a lot as much as i enjoy wonka's uh you know emotional arc uh you obviously don't have to do this but it would be interesting if he was more selfish you know in his pursuit of the chocolate right maybe his uh his friends there at the cleaners are like let us help you or share your chocolate with me and instead of him saying like here you can have a lifetime supply of chocolate uh wink wink reference to uh you know the (laughs) the first movie you know if he was like um you know i have to do this alone or you know chocolate is about getting the perfect ingredients and not you know and then eventually realizing the same message as his mom it's more as like he believed what she believed the entire time and then he's kind of validated in the end uh well here's my here's my written on a ticket this is what i think is going to happen this is the first in a trilogy of wonka prequels in which timothy chalamet descends into darkness Ah. he becomes more and more jaded as the movie as the movies progress and he will eventually become uh, the you know he, the movie will end with him uh, sitting outside of the door or inside of the door waiting to <laughs> expose himself and and do his little role down the uh, the red carpet um, uh, at the at the in the midpoint of the 1971 version. Wow! Um, and it will uh, and it'll be like this. You know, uh, he's the he was destined for greatness, right? But then uh, he was actually using his powers for evil, and he was corrupted by the power that, that got him. And it will, it will directly um, align with uh, Dune. So Dune, the Dune movies will come out one year, and then the Wonka movies come out <laughs> the, next, the following year. And in each one, uh, Timothy Chalamet's protagonist will uh, descend into darkness one level at a time. It's Timothy Chalamet's world, and we're just living in it. That's, uh, that's right. I actually really do like that as an idea. <laughs> I genuinely don't feel like that's the way this is headed. Uh, you know, because going, like I said before, I had pretty low expectations of this. I thought that this movie was going to be way more derivative than it ended up being. 
because like it's not really a sequel. It's it's more like a standalone pseudo prequel, uh, mm. which <laughs> I think is a good choice. Don't just go like what I was genuinely expecting was for them to do like this is how Wonka got his hat. This is how Wonka got his cane. This is how Wonka <laughs> convinced the Oompa Loompas to be his slaves. And uh, you've just been <laughs> jaded by you've been burned too badly by Solo. <laughs> yes, I have been burned. Star Wars in general general has made me lose all trust in uh you know <laughs> remakes or expand unnecessary expansions of ip that b- by all other measures have been thoroughly uh you know used and don't need more added on i guess slugworth's back <laughs> somehow <laughs> slugworth returns yeah <laughs> uh you know a lot of the things that make Wonka a great character and interesting character are still there. Like he's still whimsical and magical and obviously a genius chocolate maker. Like we said before, some of his chocolate creations, they're fun. And the idea that chocolate can be this kind of source of magic, uh, it feels great. And, it, and it, especially as a kid, when candy is such a, uh, something that you just feel like you could eat an infinite amount of, uh, that is really an attractive idea. But what's missing is the ambiguity about his morality. Absent the sequels you've got planned for, for these movies. The, Paul King, call me. Right. Gene Wilder's Wonka is a little different. He's a little bit sinister. And he's definitely deceitful. The kids suffer in his factory. And he's not really all that worried or apologetic about it. Uh, like you said, he, it's probably their own fault. But uh, let's be honest here. He didn't exactly childproof the factory that he was inviting children into. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that now you can like you like you were saying like you could potentially hand wave this criticism away and say that he develops those things later on uh you know it, to make this a direct prequel but i don't think that's what they were going for there's no hint of that even at all and uh i i'm i think that's probably for the best uh you know if, if it gets us to a place that gives us a more compelling one-off story uh, now now i want to talk about the antagonists so the people who are most in charge of stopping wonka from achieving his goals is you know primarily the chocolate cartel or the chocolate monopoly, you could even say. Uh, and I was saying uh, chocolate conspiracy. That's that's what I kept yeah, saying. Yeah, it's cons- a chocolate conspiracy. <laughs> and and the crooked cops, and also uh, the bleach people or the the cleaners. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. all these people are kind of against him. And aside from these people being generally bad and also stupid, like just cruel and and evil people, um, specifically the chocolatiers are only successful at selling their chocolates because they cheat, right? They even are anti-complexity when it comes to their sweet treats. Chocolate should be simple. (laughs) Yeah, which is like, okay. This is the worst chocolate i've ever tasted <laughs> right gotcha <laughs> everyone else oh oh okay these guys know chocolate so obviously uh i mean wonka seems to uh you know almost wa- like uh be looking for the endorsement it's almost like he respects these guys at the very beginning you know to be heralded near yeah. them but uh and, and you know i don't know maybe their simple chocolates are pretty good too i mean chocolate is pretty good even on just its own but the well you know if milton hershey comes down and it's like hey i want to try your chocolate i mean what i mean that's that's a big deal right absolutely yeah, especially since you'd have to rise from the dead to do it 
There's the se- There's our new pro- uh, antagonist in the sequel for the Wonka movie. <laughs> Zombie Milton Hershey. <laughs> this whole making movies out of like consumer products, you know, Mattel has just got the ball rolling. The yeah. the Hershey verse is just ripe for the uh, for creating a whole another set of first films. I. Uh, I'm, just playing, I'm trying to do a zombie voice. First, I will conquer Earth. Next, I will conquer Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board. Let's do this. Let's. <laughs> we got to get this greenlit. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So the reason why we are supposed to not like these rival chocolatiers, aside from their classic villain characterization, is because they cheat at business. They keep the price of chocolate high by making it artificially scarce because behind the scenes, they're all agreeing on how much chocolate to put out there. And they bribe the cops to beat up the competition and run them out of town. The fact that they're businessmen isn't what makes them bad. It's the fact that they cheat at business. That's what makes them bad. If Wonka created his store and ran them out of business, it wouldn't be seen as evil. It wouldn't be what they're doing in reverse. It would just be the free market working as intended. It's survival of the fittest. Yeah, and you probably would expect Wonka, the benevolent entrepreneur and business owner, to perhaps offer them a buyout or a job at his, um, you know, at his factory, right? It's like, I, you know, I, I respect you. That's why I'm going to pay you to never uh, sell chocolate in this town again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would definitely be putting it right back in their face. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, um, you know, th- this is something we could imagine or even ostensibly does happen. Uh, you know, it, I, if those guys survive and hit the ground and uh, try to keep their businesses running <laughs> without any chocolate <laughs> reserves, um, you could see them running out of business, right? And then Wonka is able to build his factory and uh, people continue to pay him for his wonderful treats. And that's uh, just the way of the world, you know, the smartest, the most uh, intuitive, the most creative get to have their product rise above the rest in the free market. And uh, it doesn't even matter if that person has some sort of magical powers. <laughs> right, yeah. Has been blessed by, <laughs> has done, made a deal with Satan to, uh, <laughs> to uh, make all sorts of, um, you know, magic uh, devices uh, up here to I him. mean, pay no mind to the fact that he just robbed a bunch of different places in the world of their chocolate making supplies the uh the oompa loompas definitely didn't want their stuff yeah, stolen. That's, that's definitely not colonialism exactly. no. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know in an ideal world this would be great but what we don't see is the labor necessary to create the chocolates on both sides of this conflict uh, which is strange because this film directly addresses the idea that meaningless labor is bad <laughs> and it, you know it, that working in the cleaners is a terrible fate uh, for our protagonists who are paying off an infinite debt and, but it kind of stops short of proposing a solution uh, it 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 just pretends that meaningless labor isn't a byproduct or even a necessary ingredient in factory production of chocolate. Uh, you know, this is a theme that's definitely present in the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka that just kind of fades away in the Chalamet version once our characters find a way to kind of avoid doing their labor in uh, in the laundromat. 
um, you know, the, the, we do have a little bit of uh, AI future, you know, um, artificially uh, interested dogs uh, <laughs> who are chasing after a scrap of pants uh, and uh, are able to run the whole thing kind of on their own. An infinite amount of <laughs> infinite amount of energy. Right. And, you know, again, you can hand wave this away by just saying Wonka magic, Wonka magic, uh, you know, generating chocolate yeah, yeah. is actually not that hard. But again, it's, it's hard not to compare this movie to the original where the entire community is a slum because Wonka fired all his employees and employed a uh, employees probably a too strong a word uh, and housed a slave workforce of Oompa Loompas. The, the movie very much, I think, satirizes the kind of contradiction of the benevolent uh, enterprising factory owner uh, by forcing you to grapple with this idea that his workforce is comp- is very necessary for him to have that status. That's that's such a good point, and yeah, I did not make that connection. But like what you're, I mean, what you've referenced here is like the whitewashing of the Oompa Loompa Willy Wonka. A relationship, right? And in this situation, what's implied is that Lofty and the other Oompa Loompas come to work for Wonka because he is, um, you know, he's offering them a deal of a lifetime to work in his factory, as if working in a factory is like the highest uh, you can achieve. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, pun intended. Uh, for an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, I can even see an interpretation of this film where Oompa Loompas don't even leave Loompa Land because in the Willy Wonka world, if Willy Wonka, or sorry, in the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory m- movie, if Willy Wonka is to be believed, which <laughs> that can't be known for certain, but he says that Loompa Land is actually full of predators and very dangerous and the Oompa Loompas are constantly getting gobbled up. So removing them from that place is at least supposed to be a act of goodwill. In this yeah. movie, L- Loompa Land is just a tropical island populated with, you know, coordinated dressing Oompa Loompas. So yeah, they seem to have quite a sophisticated tech- like uh, a civilization. They have speedboats. Yes. I mean, like, Hugh Grant's Oompa, like Lofty is like basically James Bond. Right. You know, he's got so many different gadgets and he's like doing all sorts of secret spy stuff and, you know, all that kind of thing. So. Right. So I don't actually think the movie is saying that they, they're they going to eventually become his workforce. I think this movie avoids the topic of a workforce altogether and changes the role of the Oompa Loompas to be one like Oompa Loompa that is a whole person who's allowed to just become Wonka's friend. And that's mm. it. It's not necessarily a justification or even a whitewashing. I think it's just an avoidance thing. And uh, this movie, instead of grappling with, I think, a very uh, important theme in the original and just kind of leaves that out and says, we're not going to really kind of, we're not going to comment on labor. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, going back to like the like the business relationship here, it's I feel like this is this movie like rides on this tightrope that allows either side of like the economic argument to say that this movie is supporting their uh, beliefs because uh, what's the villains are the 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 opposite, right? The villains are capitalists, and therefore they um you know that's why they are. Uh, buy, able to buy out the cops, and they have they're 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 in this uh, 
position of power that allows them uh, too much influence over society. And then the other side says, this is what communism is. You know, communism is the you know, people at the top uh, lording over the people at the bottom. And, uh, you know, that's whatever. You, know, like, <laughs> you, can believe, you can call things whatever you want to call it, but whatever. Right. The, the, um, I think what's, what's, what is, it's not really making a statement one way or the other. It's like, it's, it is jumping on the rich people evil train which is like a, a common trend in movies today um but it's not really making a statement about the economic system right, right and exactly. as you correctly identified wonka is a um is the perfect avatar of capitalism he is the perfect libertarian he's the perfect entrepreneur because he comes in with the better product and it scares the other people in the market into acting rashly Right. Whereas if it was a free market, truly, he would, uh, you know, with no regulations, no, no, uh, uh, no influence over the uh, there's no such thing as mixing um, economics and um, politics. Right. Those two things are separate, just like uh, religion <laughs> and politics. Uh, these this is a um, he he deserves to succeed. He is the most uh, he has the most merit. Because he has the best product, and therefore he should be the richest. Therefore, he should have the vault of chocolate, and not uh, this chocolate cartel. Right. He he uh, succeeds because he has the best product, and as a result, the populace is served with the best possible option. Everyone wins. Yes. It's perfect. It's uh yeah it's yeah I, I guess it's a little disappointing that this is very clearly a kids movie, so it's hard to expect <laughs> some sort of heavy hitting commentary like this. It's just, but well, it's just got to be, it doesn't have to be heavy hitting commentary. All it has to be is pick something and then kind of, you know, keep going in that direction, right? It doesn't have to be a, um, it doesn't have to be like the focus of the movie. It just has to be not muddled. Right. No, I agree. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. And, and I thought, I genuinely thought that was the direction they're going in with the whole scrub scrub song and being like, hey, doesn't working a terrible job day in and day out remove all meaning from your life and reduce you to less than a person? Isn't that like exactly what we're doing right now? And then later on, they're like, it would be great to start a factory. It's like, how do you not connect the dots there? Right? Like, it, it, and again, it, it's because the factory is this magical pretend factory that exists outside of reality where you can, uh, you know, mass produce products without having a labor force. So it, right. again, it's, that's the kids movie out where you don't have to think about that kind of thing. You can pretend it doesn't exist. You know, you, there's no army of evil, uh, you know, uh, uniformed workers for the chocolate cartel, each one wearing, a, an outfit that's the same, but has different colors depending on which branch of the cartel that they work <laughs> for. Right. Those guys don't exist. They don't have to exist because this movie doesn't want to comment on what it means to, uh, you know, force other people into servitude so that you can live out your entrepreneurial uh dreams so yeah kind of wish they had that uh but i think we've exhausted our uh <laughs> our feelings on that um so let's move on to wonka's motivation uh and I, we've already touched on it a little bit but i thought it was really it was it was genuinely beautiful the way that the they revealed the golden ticket the whole movie he's trying to find oh, the yeah. secret to making uh you know great chocolate and then it ends up being the message from his mother it's like there's two things it's like what's the secret to great chocolate and him sharing chocolate with the world will be when he 
uh, is with his mother again, right? He's constantly trying to get back to his mom. And, uh, you know, in the end, he realizes that uh, it's not, the secret is not what's in the chocolate, it's who you share it with. And, uh, you know, you get that low-key reference to the original movie by having that be written on a golden ticket that's inside the wrapping of the chocolate. I think that's all tastefully done. You can't have a Willy Wonka movie and not have a golden ticket. So <laughs> that was, uh, I, I felt like that was great. And then, of course, immediately Wonka shares the one bar of chocolate he has from his mom with his friends to just like show us that he understands her message and um you know the real the real chocolates were the friends we made along the way it's so true <laughs> the real secret ingredient was uh was french that's right which uh, I, I like you know and it's it's you don't have to do something necessarily uh completely outside the box to to still hit the mark um you know i also liked that noodles uh, you know emotional arc was uh you know pro reading <laughs> i thought that that was that was pretty good the uh you know the original willy wonka movie also explicitly pro reading uh they told uh mike tv to uh it's like hey what, you know you're gonna have a low iq if you just watch tv all day uh, how about reading a book <laughs> which that's what they say in the in the song at least the oompa loompa song so, um, yeah, so I thought that was good, but going to Timothy Chalamet now, um, I, I kind of echo your sentiment that he just doesn't have the same type of charisma that Gene Wilder brought to the character of Wonka. Gene Wilder at times brings this brand of insanity that is endearing. It makes you wonder just how kooky this Wonka guy is. He's verging on insanity while also being this kind of genius, right? He, he walks that line very well. Meanwhile, when Chalamet tries to emulate this, to me, it just fell flat. There, there was a lot of the movie where he didn't even try to emulate that. He was kind of Timothy Chalamet Wonka, but especially yes. when he was showing Noodles his like chocolate creation station, there were moments where he's trying to be that kooky, uh, borderline insane uh, Gene Wilder Wonka, and it was not the same. And the yeah. one time, there's there's a couple of moments. I feel like near the end, it starts to it's better, right? But um, when he's talking about the Oompa Loompa stealing his chocolates with noodle it's, it's not noodles it's noodle but it's really funny that you're calling your noodles um when he's talking to noodles about uh the oompa loompa stealing his chocolate you know and it all sounds so insane right like there's a little orange man that comes into my into, and steals and it comes into my room and, and steals my chocolates and one day i will catch him that felt very willy wonka to me like that that like that's where he kind of transformed uh in that moment right um and when he's selling the chocolate during that musical number where he's like, uh, you know, he's running around this town and, he, and he's giving everybody stuff that like really worked for me too. Um, but there's a lot of other moments where he's like, he's sort of cheesing at the camera a little bit, you know, he's, he's sort of hamming it up just, just a little bit in the wrong direction that makes, that really makes him more of a Timothy Chalamet than a Gene Wilder. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm just nostalgia pilled and wilder maxing, but I feel like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet was not a slam dunk casting for this role. 
you know, I, I would give him a B for a letter grade when you're really looking for an A, when you're, you, the movie's literally called Wonka. So you got to deliver on the character, the person who plays the main character. I'm reminded of other mid-tier recasts like Will Smith as the genie from Aladdin or that guy who played Han Solo in <laughs> Solo Star Wars Story. It's, uh, it, it reminds me even of that line from Aladdin. Often imitated, but never duplicated. I, I was, it was in no way bad. And honestly, I think Timothy Salome was just fine, but it felt short of the performance that we loved in the original, which is just another way this movie feels derivative. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I like Timothy Chalamet. I think he's, I think he's a fine actor, but I, this just wasn't like, I, it just wasn't there for me. It, it required something more than what we, what was like, present yeah um and i think i really do think that at, at points he really did capture his own form of willy wonka that i thought was great but a lot of the time i couldn't help but see timothy Charlemagne in a hat whereas <laughs> whereas um and I, again maybe yeah maybe i am just wilder maxing but i right when, when i looked at when i wa- was watching the 1971 version right uh Gene Wilder is top building in that movie. He doesn't show up for at least 30 minutes into the movie, right? And then he shows up and it's Willy Wonka, right? It's not Gene Wilder. It's not Gene Wilder until he does the meme, right? <laughs> he, is, he is literally Willy Wonka from the very moment you see him and the way he mutters to himself, the way that he acts, the, the way he's so dismissive and weird. Like, it's so perfect. And maybe it's just because that's like the platonic ideal that's always like set in our minds yes. at this point um, i'm sure it's playing a big role here but uh, i don't know it just it just wasn't enough uh from old shamay so on uh so side note jeremy allen white is an incredible actor you know he's, he's on the bear and he looks just like gene wilder if you look at pictures of him he just looks like a young gene wilder and i i, I honestly don't know if this role is in his bag it's very different from what I've seen him do, but I suspect it would have been no worse than young Timmy's performance. And I think it's a missed opportunity. It's it's just sort of part of this whole aesthetic, right? And it's been hard for me to kind of really put my, my thumb on exactly what this is that I feel like is missing. But part of it is the fact that we have this uh, stunt casting, right? We have one of the most famous young actors of this current, you know, era of movies um, playing a reprising a very famous role, right? And that's that's what gets people in. That's what puts uh, butts in seats, right? Is like I want to see what Timothy Chalamet is doing. I want to see the Wonka movie, right? Those are two factors that motivate people to go to the theater. Whereas if it was Jeremy Allen White, perhaps a a better casting, perhaps an easier one to swallow, but it wouldn't. It would have to have a different element. Uh, in order to grab you and put you in the seat, which would be that we are doing something good, <laughs> you know, that we're we're doing something um, that's that's really compelling from a story level. Like that's the other element that's that's here. Whereas the Wonka story, right, is uh, ineffectual. It does not matter. I did not see this. I did not go see this movie because I thought the story was going to be really great. I went to see it because Timothy Chalamet is playing Wonka. That's, yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and I feel the same way about the Hugh Grant casting, right? It's like putting him in this role is just a way to kind of 
like boost his credibility again, right? Be like, hey, remember Hugh Grant? Isn't he fun? Um, you know, like we we got this famous guy to dress up in orange paint. <laughs> like, um, it's it, it's just like a, another way, another kind of a, a part of the carnival without it being like of having any substance. Yeah, and it what sucks is that it works. I mean, when when we were making our calendar and we were like, oh well, we got to see Wonka, kind of as a meme, but. It it has meme potential. It it's it's uh, Timothy Chalamet as Willy Wonka. I mean, what else? What more do you want, right? What else? Did can you get spot you in? the um, uh, the the um LGBT shout out in this movie? There was two that really stood out. To I me. missed. Yeah, I missed w- it completely. One, it's during the song when he's opening the store. There's like a. It's like a, it freezes on uh Wonka standing in front of a like blazing rainbow. Um, like posing. Oh, in front yeah, of it. yeah. I did see that. Yeah, and um, like, and it like it kind of freezes on it for like long enough for you to take a screenshot. Gotcha. And then later, he's also walking down like a rainbow path. It feels so deliberate. It feels like it feels like uh, they're trying to get uh, TikTok fan cams of Timothy Chalamet <laughs> as a bi as like a bi <laughs> a bi character. Right, right. Tim Timothy <laughs> Sh- are like Wonka canonically LGBTQ. Yeah. Yes, Without exactly. having to uh take the risk of explicitly stating it. Yeah. Right, right. yeah he's uh what do they call that? He's queer coded is queer coded, yeah, yes. So. Exactly. He's definitely queer coded. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> you know, why not? And, who, yeah, we'll ship him and the Oompa Loompa, you know, uh iconic <laughs> couple. Uh I can't wait to see those fan camps. <laughs> I have some cool Easter eggs. Okay, well then uh, let's hear them. So um, I don't know if you remember, but in the original 1971 version, uh, as they're walking into the factory for the first time, uh, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka has everyone sign on the dotted line uh, for his increasingly <laughs> weird contract that he has written on the wall. Um, and the he says specifically, look at the small print or make sure you read the small print or, or something along those lines. He makes a reference to small print, which is a uh, plot point in this movie. Yeah. Uh, in the Wonka movie as well. Um, it is f- kind of funny. And I don't know if it's what I'm supposed to take away from this exactly, that Wonka is screwed over by small print in the 2023 Wonka movie, but then it employs small print to... Um, effectually uh torture a bunch of children um in the 1971 version so somewhere in there he gets the idea that he should be using small print for evil um you know somehow that switches this is how wonka uh, got his hat this is how wonka got his cane this is how wonka learned to utilize small contract print. yeah <laughs> yeah well the movie's full of stuff like that which i thought again yeah. for being what it is i thought it was fine like you can repurpose things from the original text to make a connection but as long as you justify the reuse i I don't have a problem with it like that contract like the fact that they're working in a laundromat uh that's charlie's mom worked in a laundromat in the original movie and it's like those two things aren't necessarily connected but it's almost like uh you know reusing some of the elements it's a little bit of yeah it's a little bit of um you know rhyming right yeah it's a little bit of uh um just like yeah picking out little little uh pieces there and uh there's even lines right um the lofty the Oompa Loompa says at the end, so shines a good deed in a weary world, which is that very famous line that Wonka says at the very end of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory after Charlie returns the everlasting gobstopper. Um, so like, you know, it, are we supposed to believe that uh, Willy Wonka got that, that 
that phrase from Lofty the Oompa Loompa? I don't know. Not I don't think that's <laughs> what's going on here. I think it's just a nice line that applies in both situations. Right. Um, I mean, there's plenty yeah. of other examples as well. You've got Arthur Slugworth being like that actual character versus being kind of the the test. That was one of my favorite intertextual parts of this. You know, having Slugworth be a character in this, I thought was great. Right. And the same thing with um, having the opportunity to take the like to give up on your dreams essentially to take the money to like do the right thing kind of i mean it's not doing the right thing necessarily Uh, i mean uh, uh, but choosing money over like a dream or something something more um nebulous right which of course in this movie is when the chocolate cartel offers to pay for the freedom of everyone in the laundromat if wonka agrees to leave town and never sell chocolate again and in the original film it was uh slugworth supposedly going to pay for uh you know his family's house and and take them out of poverty and pay for them for the rest of their lives if he brought him back a gobstopper of course that wouldn't have happened if he did that but charlie chose not to he chose to give the gobstopper back and pass the test so i i felt like stuff like that was really well done i was impressed um i found this funny thing from um on wikipedia uh the publisher deadline described the trailer for wonka 2023 uh think fantastic beasts in terms in regards to period early 20th century but so much more fun (laughs) (laughs) which i felt like was a just a little dig at fantastic Fantastic beasts catching strays (laughs) yeah love that actually fantastic beasts can uh can suck it can go suck on a chocolate egg. is that how you is how you feel or how that's that's how deadline feels that's how i feel and i uh, because deadline agrees it seems to be agreeing with me i'm i'm quoting them here gotcha yeah take that <laughs> fantastic beast um i actually have a couple more examples of uh the kind of uh, like intertextual connections the chief of police when he's getting fatter and fatter is kind of reminiscent of the way that Violet kind of inflates. And when the chief of police's belt pops off, it looks just like when Violet's belt pops off. She has like basically the exact same belt. And also when, uh, (laughs) noodle singular and Wonka (laughs) are being raised towards the glass ceiling when it's filling up a chocolate, when the vat is filling up chocolate, looks just like when Charlie and Grandpa Joe are floating up towards the propeller at the top. has a very similar vibe. And it's a fizzy lifting drink, uh, um, a wind tunnel. Exactly. And it's a very, also a very similar uh, impending doom sequence. So uh, again, I thought really well done. And if we're going to have, we're continue just only having movies that are just hashes of existing ip let's take a few notes from wonka in that you can still make your own story and use uh you know notes and rhyme with the original i think that's totally uh, yeah. fine all, all the things i think we've just referenced here are all things i really liked about the original one i, I liked seeing those connections i thought they were subtle i thought they were there were there were fun little things for you to point at and be like oh that's cool without it being like this you know oh my now i know where he got his cane from you know like <laughs> that feels so pointless oh now i know where he wears purple this is where um, he got the boat that is on the chocolate river <laughs> yeah he used to uh hand crank a um a wheel <laughs> on the river that's right 
<laughs> and this is where he got the all white suits that they wear in the Wanda uh, Wonka Vision uh, room. <laughs> <laughs> somebody gave him like yeah, somebody gave him a, nag- a magnifying glass. His mom gave him a magnifying glass, and it had a, a label on it said Wonka Vision, <laughs> and that's how he got the idea. Yeah, that seems that's totally pointless. Yeah, no, I, I think it do- I think it does a great job with that. And and like you said, like it is his own story. It is its own thing, and it's and um, I think the story itself is although pretty safe, you know, has a lot of good emotional beats. I really liked the, um, the, the, uh, the, the security guard of the zoo and the security guard um, of the chocolate vault, of them having that misconnection and then how he brought them together. I liked how um, uh, all, almost all of Wonka's uh, like distractions involved people falling in love with each other. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that was That was good. really fun. Uh, and yeah, there was, there was a lot of like I thought there's a lot of things that this movie did a good job of. Um, it's just also like, why? Why are yep. we doing this? <laughs> yeah. Why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> why am I here? Just to suffer? Yes, I think that, that really <laughs> says it all. Um, and that's going to bring us to the end of our conversation on Wonka. As we do at the end of every episode of Apple Chat, we'll now deliver our ratings. Joey, what rating do you want to give to Wonka? I give this movie a special kind of chocolate. Then when you eat it, it makes you feel like you're watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> this, this one makes my tummy hurt. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, oh no, this one's, I'm bored. <laughs> I've been watching the same like static shot of space for 10 seconds. <laughs> um, all right, well, I think that's a great rating. Um, I'm going to give it a rating of my own. I give this film... A world where true inspiration beats out the uninspired, restrictive fat cats. A world where only original movies are made instead of cheap rehashes of existing IP. A world of pure imagination. Wow. And that's where it will live, in, in your mind. That's right. You can only imagine <laughs> a world like that. Definitely not going to get it IRL, uh, at least not anytime soon. Not till something fundamentally changes about the landscape of the movies we watch. So there you have it, everybody. Wonka. Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? I don't know what's next, but we're going to see you next year because this is the last episode of Affable Chat for 2023. Who knows when it's coming out? Maybe not till 2024. <laughs> no, no, no. But either no, way. No, no. I, I'm I, like, we, you know, just like Willy Wonka, you really can't trust anything we say during this portion <laughs> of the episode, but I'm going to edit this tomorrow and put this out right after Christmas. Cause All right. if, if this movie is nothing else, it is a Christmas, like go see it in the theater on Christmas type movie. I think Definitely. if you're going, because I did that for star Wars. And if you're going to do that this year, this is the one that you should see. Uh, it is it's plenty of snow. In the movie, it'll definitely give you winter vibes. Um, so uh, I want to put this one out next week. So uh, All right. hopefully, All listener, right. you, you're heard hearing it here. this next week. Yeah, you've heard it here after the fact that he's has edited it. That's so. right. <laughs> you wouldn't be hearing this if I didn't edit it. So you're welcome. <laughs> you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Applechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet. There you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all of which are at AffableChat, and our email address, AffableChat at gmail.com. If you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, so shines a good podcast in a weary media landscape. That's so beautiful. That's going to do it for this episode. For Apple Chat. I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>